When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it's something a little bit different now for you. This guy is doing something that I could never dream of doing. I'd probably do it in golf. He's doing it in basketball. His name's Lee Ellis. 20 games of basketball, 20 countries, 20 cities. Sounds like a dream. Lee Ellis, welcome in. Thanks very much for having me, Mark. Um, Probably better known for your No Dunks podcast that was part of some big basketball stables, thousands of episodes that you put in basketball, and you walked away. You, you walked away from broadcasting and from podcasting. You're a, you're a very well-known name in NBA circles for people that consume uh, basketball content. Can, can I ask why you walked away from that? Yeah, I, I, uh, I'd been doing the, uh, the sort of podcast analyst TV role for about 11 years um, and following the game for honestly like, well, probably close to 30 years following it. And I just sort of... Uh, I, I, I travel a lot with my family, and whenever I travel, I try to find a game of basketball out on the street. I just That's just something I've always done. Even before I was married and had kids, I used to do that. And now with social media the way that it is, I would sort of go to a place. I was in Berlin and Barcelona and places like that, and people would say, well, man, if you ever come to my city, you know, you've got to come and play basketball. You've got to come and do this. And, and I didn't think too much of it at first, and then I just got so many people from all over the world uh, tons from New Zealand, actually. I've got to get down to New Zealand, make it like a three or four city stop. But uh, from all over the world saying, come and do this. And I sort of said to my wife, I, I said, I mean, I, I, is this now these days the way that, you know, media is and, and the way that people can create their own content? Is this something I can really turn into a to an adventure? And, you know, so it took a little bit of um, sort of going over the logistics of it and, and how it would work. And then we both realised, like, listen, if you want to give something like this a go, a bit of an Australian and a New Zealand attitude is like, you just got to have a crack at things in life, you know. And and that's kind of where I got to, where I was like, all right, let's let's do it because it's not something you can do as a sort of part time um, hobby or you know something you can be half in and half out. I think you have to go full on head first into these sorts of things. And so I decided it was now or never, and I, I decided I'd give it a go. So um, you know, I, I think. It was sort of an idea that I didn't really come up with myself. It sort of was forced on me like so many people giving me this encouragement and this um, inspiration that I could maybe do it. And I just realized, like, if you're going to do it, no one's going to come up and tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, you want to go out and do this? You've got to go and do it yourself. And uh, that's the decision I made. Happy with the decision? Oh, yeah, very happy. I mean, something like this, you don't. I, I don't think you do it and then three months later you say, you know what? scrap that, I'm going back to where I was. I think you've got to give yourself a good 12 to 18 months to give it a real chance to work. Um, and at that point, then if it's not working, and, and by not working, I mean if it's not getting any traction or interaction or engagement, then then I think the audience will tell you that. But I, I believe that um, it was like when I first went backpacking from, from out of home when I was in Australia when I was only 22. I remember after the first month, I felt a bit homesick and I was sort of thinking, oh, maybe I'm just going to go home and go back to my job. And then Something sort of happened, something changed in me, and I was like, if you're going to do this, then give it a year or two. Give it some time for it to, to adjust and to, to be a new um, a new part of your life, and then make a decision from there. But I, I just don't think you make a big decision like this and then backtrack 
after five minutes. I think you, you've got to get to a point where you've exhausted a few avenues and you fight a few shots. And, uh, you know, basically, uh, th- that that's what I'm doing right now. Is I'm, I'm Any sort of idea that pops into my head, any sort of content creation idea that I can incorporate into this series, I'm going with it uh, and seeing how far it can take me. So I, I think, you know, when you, when you actually get to that position where you're like, right, well, I've decided I'm going to go and do this. I'm not going to give up until I've really feel like I've given it my best effort and uh, I'm only three months in so I think I've got I, I think I've got another probably 12 to 15 months before I'll have any sort of real idea as to whether or not it'll work and, and it's one of those things it's a work in progress anyway you know things don't usually give you a definitive answer straight away it's, you learn from uh, as you're going along and, and that's what I've found so far. You see I, that's quite inspiring to hear because I think most of us are all um, hindered by preconceived boundaries of our lives and stay within our paddock and too scared to jump the fence and and go for it so I'm just wondering what's happened to you in your life to be able to take that you know this is a big chance you got you got a wife and kids I'd imagine you got a mortgage you've yep. got bills to pay what what what's what's happened or what's within you to be able to say I'm going to give it a crack well as I was saying earlier when I go back to when I first went backpacking it was the same situation I had a very comfortable job I was living at home you know as a 22 year old you don't have too many stresses in life you think you do at the time but you don't you know I had no mortgage I had no kids so there was no one really who was who was at risk other than myself um, but then as I learned from living abroad and, and traveling around is like so many things happen in life if you go and make something happen now it might not always go great it might not always be perfect but you, you learn and it just gives you that sort of motivation to try other things. And then talking about my wife, I mean, I met her at a situation where Australia and New Zealand have that reciprocal agreement with the Canadian government. We get a one-year working holiday visa. And I, and I got that. And I went to Canada. I had no I had no job. I had no girlfriend. And I was like, I'm just here for a year to have some fun, travel around, you know, pick up work as, as we tend to do. And then about six weeks or so after I arrived in Toronto, I met this girl and I said, all right, well, nothing, nothing serious because I'm not sticking around. You know, I'm leaving. We started seeing each other for the majority of the time I was there. And then when I had to leave, we started this long distance type of relationship. And it was, you know, I was about 30 at the time and she, she's pretty much the same age. She's two weeks younger than me. And we'd been apart for about, I don't know, six weeks or two months and we were planning to meet up. And I, I, I even then I was like, look, this is, kind of a waste of time i mean there's no you can't really have a long distance relationship unless there's an end goal of being together and so in that sense i i actually proposed to her on the phone from a phone box in london (laughs) on on one of the old phone cards kids probably don't know what phone cards are these days but i had a phone card we were planning a little little get together and then i sort of said to her at the end of the conversation because i thought she was going to say uh marriage is a bit of a big big jump you know big step in our relationship and I said so listen uh, you know I really like you and I think and the only way this is going to work if we get married so you know do you want to get married thinking she would say no and she's like yeah let's do it and I'm like oh okay well I guess I'm moving back to Toronto then so you know things things like that have happened where I've realized uh, if you wait for the timing to be right for things in life you often never do anything you, you've got to sometimes just create those situations and you've just got to almost ignore the timing and say if you want to do it then go for it and, and live with the consequences because Again, for the most part, I think, as you were saying earlier, we imagine the worst-case scenario. And the worst-case scenario for me right now is, oh, I'll never find another job in the NBA or anywhere again. It's like, well, of course I'll find a job if I need to. But, again, if you really are going to give something a chance, then you've got to invest some time and effort and and money into it and see where it takes you. So I I just feel that 
that's where I am right now. I've, I've had a few chances in life where it, where I didn't know what the outcome was going to be or wasn't what I was expecting. I've tried it anyway, and it's turned out pretty good. So hopefully, uh, this will have a similar outcome. So you, you you're targeting twenty countries, twenty cities, very different cultures. Uh, you've ticked off a few so far. So where have you been so far? Yeah, so I started in Frankfurt, Germany, although that was actually unplanned because I was flying from Atlanta to Slovenia and I had a delayed flight out of Atlanta. So I had 12 hours in Frankfurt and I was like, well, I'm not just going to sit at the airport and complain about the airline. I went out and, uh, and found a basketball court, started shooting around and had, a, had an incredible time. So I got a bonus city there in Frankfurt. Uh, from there, I went down to Ljubljana in Slovenia. I met up with Luka Doncic's dad, had a great interview with him. Had a great dinner with him, incredible Slovenian barbecue that went for like five hours. I was drunk at the end of it, full of food. And, and uh, Sasha Doncic is like, yeah, drink more, drink more, eat more. I'm like, Sasha, I've got to get a bus at like six in the morning for Zagreb. I haven't packed, I haven't done it. He's like, come on, stay. And I'm like, i got to go. Anyway, from uh, from Ljubljana, we went to Zagreb, uh, played down in, in Zagreb, in uh, Dubrovnik and Šibenik as well, two very, very uh, awesome places in Croatia. Then it was over to Belgrade in Serbia and down to Athens in Greece was where the first leg ended. So uh, all along the way, I, I, I mean, I bumped into Drazen Petrovic's mother in Zagreb as well, which was incredible. I wasn't didn't plan that, wasn't expecting to. She showed me around the museum dedicated to her son Drazen there. So uh, along the way already, I've, I've had you know some incredible experiences that I simply could not have imagined or prepared for because they happen just by traveling and by being in a situation that you, uh, you're you out of your comfort zone there. So I feel very motivated and inspired by that. I mean, look, it's not all peaches and cream. There's certainly been a few obstacles and setbacks along the way. Uh, but again, I think you if you if you think everything's going to be perfect, then you're kidding yourself. You've got to understand and, and, and roll with the punches as they come. Like the, like the delayed flight out of Atlanta, I was like, oh my God, we're going to miss our connection to Slovenia. We did. And then they said, well, you've got 12 hours in Frankfurt. And I'm like, well, 12 hours is long enough to do something. And I ended up having a, a fantastic experience there in Germany. So do you literally, do you plan the courts you're going to go to or do you hit the city and then just cruise around, find a court and try and find a pickup game of ball? No, I do plan them in advance, uh, especially in Croatia because they had some of the most amazing courts. Uh, the one in Dubrovnik overlooking the Adriatic Sea is probably the most beautiful court I've ever seen in my life because Dubrovnik itself, is a magically beautiful place. All of Croatia is. But this one, with the sun setting over the sea and the backdrop there, it's just it's so perfect. So, and, and then in Belgrade, there's a really, really cool couple of courts inside, a, uh, inside the Belgrade fortress there, which is like an old castle. So you're playing inside a castle that's 2,500 years old. You're playing basketball. That, that's, that's really, really cool. And then in Athens, I actually played two games because I'd, I picked up a bit of momentum along the way and people saying, well, if I know you're coming to Athens, you've got to play at this court and this court. And, and so I did. Uh, and I played it again at a couple of really good courts. One of them overlooked the city and the other one was just in a slightly different part of the town. But that's it. I mean, I, I do have them planned, but I'm also very flexible. If someone says, hey, you've got to play at this court because of the scenery, then I, I always try to fit it into the itinerary if I can. And uh I'm heading to Cape Town here in a few weeks in South Africa, and there's apparently a couple of courts with Table Mountain in the back there, and apparently it's, it's really, really beautiful. So that's what I'm looking forward to uh, that, that's next up on the itinerary. So how do you pick, like, I understand you've had, like, thousands of invites. How do you pick which ones you go to? 
Well, so, for example, this trip works well timing-wise because the African countries that I'm visiting are in the Southern Hemisphere, so it's summertime. Right now, in the Northern Hemisphere, it's, it's, it's the middle of winter, so Europe is not really the place to go um, because I want to play outdoors as well. I don't want to play indoor courts. And so if the timing for South Africa, Zambia, and Kenya was really, really good. And, then, and in addition to that, when I announced I was leaving the No Dunks guys, um, immediately three different people from uh, those countries said, you've got to come to Africa. And so it, I was able to say, okay, well, I've got interest in Cape Town, I've got interest in Lusaka, and then I've got interest in Nairobi. I can probably sort of, you know, plan those ones out to uh, make them all happen together. And so so that's what it is. I mean, ideally, I'd probably do five or six countries while I can there in Africa. But, uh, you know, I'm a father and a husband first, so I, I couldn't spend, I can't spend months away from my family uh, to try to do this. So I'm doing it all in about about 16 days I'll be on the road uh, or 16 days on the ground. Add, add a couple of travel days in there. So I'm gone for about 18 days, but uh, I've got some really exciting things lined up in those cities. Apparently, apparently, according to the Instagram direct messages, I'm, I'm big in Zambia. So uh, I'm going to go and find out. <laughs> <laughs> Zambia. Can, can we talk about like um, the difference in in courts and 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 hoops like have you come across some of those um i don't know if it's the right word to say those ghetto hoops where you have the the hard hoops and, and the chainmail nets that last forever yeah are they all all over the place how, how different are the courts that you play on yeah well that's the other thing is so um i like to experience those different courts and the different surfaces just to sort of explain the story to people and show you show that again i'm not looking for like the perfectly manicured, like the best court you can play on. Because to me, the older ones tend to have a little bit more history to them, maybe a little bit more of a story behind them. So that definitely happened in Zagreb. I played on one that was uh, a bit of an ankle twister, that's for sure. But uh, it was a, a, a legendary historic one because it was where Drazen Petrovic first played for Sabona. So that was really, really cool. Um, and then the, the courts in uh, Belgrade, I, I mentioned they're inside the fortress that's two and a half thousand years old. But they were really well laid because they have in the summer these high uh, quality three on three tournaments. So the, the the quality of the courts and the rims and all that are actually really really good. So that made it fun to play on. And it's not just hard cement that you're playing on. It's that sort of spongy surface that you sometimes see in like kids indoor playgrounds. You know the ones where they, so if the kids hit the deck, they're not going to like break any bones or anything like that. It's it's a bit of a spongier surface that gives them a chance to. Uh, sort of bounce back up and get going. So that was the surfaces there. In Greece, uh, the ones I played on, they were they were actually just classic concrete ones. So uh, you have to be a little bit careful because that also tends to have a bit more of an impact on the joints, the <laughs> knees and the ankles afterwards. So uh, by the end of the trip, I was like, oh, I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure how, how hard I'm going to run on these courts here. But uh, it, it turned out fine in the end because we, you know, again, the, the games aren't about trying to be some sort of street ball legend or anything like that. It's about just playing to have fun. So you, uh, I, I was on the. I spent the last two games pretty much on the perimeter, just firing away from uh, downtown. So I didn't do too much damage there. But the biggest difference, the biggest difference in the game quality is where I play here in the United States. It's it's all five on five full court when you have the numbers. Um, but that tends to be uh, also what happens is a lot of one on one within that. There's a lot of a lot of that uh, and one type of stuff where guys want to show off how, how good their handles are or whatever. But in the Balkans especially, they play a lot more three-on-three three half court. And three-on-three three is actually much better to play pick-up basketball on because you're involved in almost every possession on the defensive end and on the offensive end. So 
in, in America here, sometimes, and I've played, you can go 10 possessions without even touching the ball because guys just come down and they're like, I'm just going one-on-one, I don't care. But in the Balkans, the ball just moves around and it really does zip around a lot more. So you've got to be paying attention. And uh, it's good because then you, you, you feel a bit more involved. Sometimes when you're playing five-on-five, five, you're like, why, why am I doing out here? You know, I'm not getting a shot. Or if I do, it's once every five or six possessions. So uh, it's, it's a lot more engaging when you are involved in, in so many more of the plays and possessions. We're talking to Lee Ellis, uh, well-known from the No Dunks podcast, who's travelling around the world uh, getting pick-up games. Last question, Lee. Do women join in? Do you have mixed games around the world? Yeah, that that is something that I've really been trying to uh, emphasise to the contacts that I've, I'm having out in Africa there, that I want to make sure that this is open to uh, females as well, because basketball is a, a game for both sexes. And uh, I don't want... Um, I don't Because I'm trying to turn this into a series, like a docu-series for Netflix or Amazon Prime or someone like that. And so... I don't want it to for women to feel excluded or it's only a guy's thing that we're out there playing basketball. It's, it's very much something that women are going to be a part of. And, and uh, I'm also going to be doing a couple of clinics in, uh, in Africa where I'm going to have boys and girls there as well so that everybody feels involved and be a part of it. Because, as I say, sport is for everybody. And basketball is one of those games where, uh, especially with the, with the growth of the WNBA in the last five to ten years, that girls should feel just as uh, you know, just as much invited and a part of this as guys do. So that's uh, that's something that I, I really, after the first trip, I learned that again. For the first one, it was a learning experience, so a lot more guys came out. But uh, I'm hoping to have far more representation uh, from the females in this uh, in this second leg here. So I've also I've, I've been very very lucky. I've contacted some NBA teams that I know. And they've been very generous donating jerseys and shirts and, and all sorts of things that I'm going to have to give out to some of the players while I'm on these uh, at these games. And so there's a lot of WNBA gear as well. And uh, I'm really excited for, for what could happen here in the next uh, on the next trip. It's, um, it's it, I'm nervous, I'm anxious, but I'm also very very excited and, and looking forward to the experience. And finally, finally, how can we follow you? What's the best way for us Kiwis down here to follow this journey and, and, and catch up with where you are and what you're doing? Yeah, most of it. Well, all the content's going to be on Instagram and YouTube. And on Instagram, it's just me, Lee Ellis, my name, L-E-I-G-H-E-L-L-I-S. And then on YouTube, it's my name with 76 at the end. So it's the same there. Uh, and I tweet that out as well. And I'm on, I'm a, like, I'm on TikTok. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure it's really the platform. I'm not sure it's really the platform for me. I, I was saying to you before, I can play basketball for, for two hours on concrete, not feel too old. I spend 10 minutes on TikTok and I feel like a grandfather. So, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, so, uh, but yeah, look, it, it's great. And one last thing I will say, I've gotten tons of support, as I said earlier, uh, an invitation from New Zealand-based uh, people, and I, I definitely uh, plan on including it at some point here for a big trip. So uh, I'm not, I haven't got dates or anything yet, but it's certainly on the calendar at some point. Oh, brilliant. Well, when you're in Auckland, we'll get you in studio, and you've you've probably done a bit more of your, your travelling. And basketball is the biggest participation sport in New Zealand, so you'll be very popular when you come here, Lee. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah, really appreciate you coming on. Fascinating story, and we'll definitely be following your, your trails, and we'll catch up again in the future. Yes, thank you very much for having me, Mark.